0: If you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and open them up to Hebrews chapter 10, as that will be where we're at. And as you prepare to open your Bibles, whether it's your own or a pew Bible, let us go to the Lord in a moment of prayer. Lord, I am encouraged by this body. I am overjoyed and overwhelmed by this church. God, to hear their prayers was a powerful moment for me. And I hope that it was a powerful moment for them as to how we can work as a body of Christ And this morning, Lord, I pray that our hearts would be prepared to receive. God, that we would be ready to receive with with good soil within us. That as the seed of the word is planted, that it would grow, take root, bear a hundredfold. Lord, that our ears would be open to hear from you. God, that we wouldn't be closed off, that we wouldn't have a preconceived notion about what it is that we're going to hear and how we might hear it, but Lord, we would simply just listen and allow the voice of your Holy Spirit to speak within us. And so Jesus, be with us this morning. Let us hear you clearly. And may you be magnified and glorified in the reading of your word. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, this morning we are continuing our series, Are You New Here? And the purpose of this series is ultimately to invite. Uh, visitors to become new members of our church. And ultimately, this will be turned into our new covenant partner class. It'll be a digital version, and it'll be a way in which people can engage with these different ideas of what it means to be a part of First Pres. And This morning, we're actually going to be talking about covenant partnership. What does that even mean? You've maybe heard it before. Maybe you've never heard it before. But covenant partner is actually the term that we use for membership. And the reason that we don't use the word member is because membership of something implies that you pay your dues and you get something in return. And so, maybe your dues are, I'm going to give my tithe every month, and so then the church owes me something. Or, I serve X amount of hours in the church, and so the church uh, needs to give me this in return for the amount of time that I have given it, that I have volunteered for it, that I have given my, my talent toward. That is membership. Membership the idea that you give to get. But covenant partnership is something more than membership. Covenant partnership has a deeper biblical implication than being a simple member of like a social club. Church isn't a social club. Sure, there is a social aspect to it, but it is not primarily about socializing with one another. God has called us to something deeper, and not just something deeper, but something better in what it means to belong to a church, to belong to the church, to be a part of the body of Christ. And so let us open and read together Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 through 25. Hear the word of God this morning. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he inaugurated for us through the veil that is his flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a sincere heart, in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, drawing near. As we hear this passage from the author of Hebrews, there are three primary things that I want us to walk away with this morning. First and foremost, that we are God's covenant people. The second is that the covenant people participate in In the sacraments given by Jesus. And lastly, then that means that we all then participate in covenant partnership with one another. And so let's first look at the very beginning of this passage in Hebrews 10, first verses 19 and 20. It says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus... By a new and living way, which he inaugurated for us through the veil that is his flesh. Well, first and foremost, we've heard it before, but any time we see the word therefore, we know that it is because of something that came before it. That because of what was said before, therefore, we can do this. Well, what is the this? It is that we can have confidence entering into the holy places by the blood of Jesus. So what is the therefore? Well, in chapter 10, 1 through 18, the author is telling us about the sacrifice that Christ made as the high priest, the final sacrifice of himself that he would be the perfect sacrifice that would wash away sin forever and ever. And that through his offering on the cross, that he has invited every single one of us who would call upon his name and believe to be justified and then sanctified in him and through him. Oftentimes, the way that we refer to this offering that Jesus made is that it is the new covenant. It is a new covenant that God has cut with his people. And Jesus, being the covenant himself, offered it to us through his own Blood, And so we get to enter into this covenant of God through the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. We are thus God's covenant people. And so when we think about what it means to be a covenant partner, we have to first know what it means to be a covenant people, that we have been created to be in this covenant relationship with an almighty God through the sacrifice of his son, Jesus Christ, on the cross. Last week we talked about being the chosen elect of God. And so any of us who are the chosen and the elect are thus a part of this covenant people of God. We belong to our creator through the work that he accomplished through Jesus, his son. And so that's the who is Jesus makes us into a covenant people and the what That we are a covenant people. That we are in relationship with God, the Father, the Creator, the Almighty One. What could be greater in all the contracts for business people? You are probably dealing with contracts every day or have dealt with them in some way, shape, or form in your life. And a contract simply says, well, I'm doing this and you do this. And we will make sure that it happens together. And if either one of us breaks what's written in this contract, then the contract is broken and maybe there's a penalty that has to be paid. And in the covenant with God, we are also entering into that kind of relationship. But it's much bigger and deeper than that because guess what? God is saying, I'm the one responsible for everything in it. I'm the one that will hold everything in tension. As long as you believe in Jesus, this covenant cannot be broken. All he wants is our faith. And so we are God's covenant people. That's the first part of being a covenant partner is understanding that to be a covenant partner is to have a covenantal relationship with with God, through Jesus Christ, empowered by the Holy Spirit. And so then we read verses 21 and 22. And since we have this great high priest in Jesus, who's over the house of God, let us draw near with a sincere heart. Let us go to God with our sincere hearts in full assurance of faith having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. What does that sound like? What does that sound like to you to hear our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water? Baptism, right? It sounds like part of being the covenantal people is to know that there are these sacraments that Jesus gave to us. In fact, the Westminster Confession in chapter 7, paragraph 6, says this, that under the gospel, when Christ, the substance, was exhibited, the ordinances in which this covenant is dispensed, so we're talking about the covenant and we're talking about ordinances, are the preaching of the word, and so we hear the word preached, and then the administration of the sacraments of baptism and the Lord's Supper. Part of being the covenant people of God is to know that Jesus gave us a means of grace in the sacraments to remember our covenant relationship with him. In baptism, this is from the essential tenets from the eco-constitution, it says, in the baptism of infants, we confess our confidence in God's gracious initiative, That is that God's work, his chosen work, that a baby who cannot turn to God is nonetheless claimed as a member of the covenant community, a child of God cleansed by grace and sealed by the Spirit. And in the baptism of adults, we confess our confidence that God's grace can make us new creations at any stage of our lives. Baptism is a sign and seal of the covenant of grace, a mark of entrance into the visible church, and it is the Holy Spirit who makes this sacrament efficacious in God's time to those whom God has called. And so when we think about this first sacrament of baptism as covenant partners, it's acknowledging that our relationship with God as covenant people, is indicated through this work of baptism. Is it necessary for salvation? No. But does God use it as a sign and a seal of the work that Jesus has done in our lives? Yes. And the reason that baptism is so important and significant is because it allows us, as the covenant community, as this local body of the visible church to invite in new members to that body. We, as a covenant community, have a covenantal responsibility to any child that gets baptized in this church. That's exciting for us because it means that all of us have a role and a work to play in raising up the next generation into the faithfulness of the Lord. In fact, we actually hear how this kind of works alongside what we read in the Old Testament. In Colossians chapter 2, Paul talks about how baptism and circumcision are related. That we can see that, that baptism is our circumcision. And babies in the Jewish faith are circumcised on the eighth day. And so they are circumcised to become a part of that covenant community of the people of God. And in the new covenant, he has given us the grace of baptism to be our circumcision. That a child would be welcomed into the covenant community of God through baptism. And as such, We're told in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 1 and 2, now this is the commandment, the statues and the judgments which Yahweh your God has commanded me to teach you, and this is Moses speaking, that you might do it in the land where you are going to possess it so that you and your son and your grandson might fear Yahweh your God to keep all his statues and his commandments which I am commanding you all the days of your life and that your days may be prolonged. What's implied in that passage is that we are teaching that next generation, those that have been invited into covenant community, we're teaching them and showing them the ways of God, the commands of God to not just know them, but to obey them, to live into this covenant community in relationship. And so not only were we given baptism... we were also given the Lord's Supper. It also says in our ego constitution that in the Lord's Supper, we confess. And so taking the Lord's Supper is actually an act of confession that as we eat the bread and share one cup, the Spirit unites us to the ascended Christ so that his resurrection life May nourish, strengthen, and transform us. I actually love how Paul talks about this in his letter to the Corinthians uh, in First Corinthians chapter eleven. Paul talks about the lord 's Supper. In fact, any time that we participate in the lord 's Supper together here, you have heard. Paul's words in his letter to the Corinthians, because the words of institution that I use are Paul's words. But after the words of institution, Paul then says this. He says that for you in eating, each one takes his own supper first, and one is hungry and another is drunk. He's starting to say, okay, This is how I have told you that you should be participating in communion, but some of you are using it in another way. For do you not have houses in which to eat and to drink? Or or do you despise the church of God and shame those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you? In this, I will not praise you. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night in which he was being betrayed, took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, and he said, This is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you proclaim the death of the Lord until he comes. And then here's what he says. Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But a man must test himself, and in doing so, He is to eat of the bread and drink of the cup. So what is Paul saying? He's saying, reminding ourselves that this is an opportunity of confession. It's an opportunity to come, that when we come to the Lord's table, to this sacrament that Jesus gave us, it's an opportunity to examine ourselves. Lord, is there anything in me that I need to confess? Is is there any sin that, that I am beholden to? Is there any pride, any arrogance? Is there any greed? Lord, have I done anything in offense to you? And if so, Lord, let me repent now, because I'm about to come forth to the table of the Lord and to partake in the elements that Jesus instituted on my behalf. Because this is an opportunity, not just for examine, but for self-transformation. It's an opportunity to come to the table of the Lord, to not just be nourished by him, to be strengthened by him, but to be transformed by him. The Lord's Supper, then, is a sacrament of transformation. Again, it's an act of grace toward us, God's covenant people. And so... What are these last things now? So we, we have heard how or what and who makes us into a covenant people. We are reminded how we are a covenant people through baptism and the Lord's Supper. But lastly, what does it mean to be in covenant partnership with each other? And so the author of Hebrews says this in 23 through 25. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope First and foremost, did you notice how in greeting time this morning, I invited you to encourage somebody? I invited you to just give them a little bit of encouragement and hopefully you received encouragement in return. Because part of our responsibility of being a covenant people in covenant partnership, covenant commitment to one another is that we are encouraging each other. In the midst of everything that is going on in our lives, we need words of encouragement. We need to hear how we can be pushed forward in our relationship with God, in our relationship with Jesus, in our relationship with the Holy Spirit. In fact, in uh, Acts, we see how this has happened in the early church. In Acts chapter 2, verse 42, it says... And the church were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to the prayers. There was an intentionality that the early church had about what it meant to be God's new covenant people to live and breathe as one. In fact, the text continues that those who had believed were together and they had all things in common. They shared among one another. There was none who was found in need or lacking anything. Every person had what they needed at the time that they needed it because the covenant community surrounded them. That is a beautiful picture of how God wants us as the church to be in partnership with one another. Again, it is not simply about being a member of a church. I'm giving something to get something. No, it's something deeper. It's about being committed to each other in a manner that is worthy of Jesus that is worthy of the sacrifice that he made for us on our behalf on that cross. Colossians chapter 3, verse 12 through 17 shows us this unity in worship. So, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, Gentleness and patience. Bearing with one another and graciously forgiving each other. Whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord graciously forgave you, so you should also. And above all these things put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. In fact, actually in 1 John, his letter, he talks about love and how God is love. But one of the things he also says is that you say you hate your brother, then the Spirit of God is not in you. And you do not know God. For the Spirit that lives in me and the Spirit that lives in you cannot say to one another, I hate you. Because the bond of Christ through the Holy Spirit Binds us in unified love. And so it is the perfect bond of unity. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly with all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing with gratefulness in your hearts to God. Part of being in covenant community with one another is, as the, he, the author of Hebrews said, it's committing to gather together, to be in a place where we can gather in worship. And as Paul wrote to the letter in, uh, in Colossae, he was saying that we are to sing to one another, sing these psalms, and, and, and to teach one another the wisdom of God's teachings. But notice he also says that we're supposed to be admonishing one another. That's the work of correction and rebuke and when we see something that might be off in someone's life, the the idea is we want to lead them to transformation, to becoming more Christ-like, not to let them stay and live in a manner that is not worthy of the sacrifice that Christ made on the cross. And so to be in covenant partnership with one another is to be committed to one another as God's covenant people. And as God's covenant people, we are led by the work of the Holy Spirit within us to love, to unity, to the teaching of the word, to the reading of scriptures, to the singing of songs and hymns of praise. It is saying, I am willing to commit to you because God first committed to me. Let's pray. Good and gracious God, as we open up your word, we see the beauty of covenant relationship and how you as Father have called your children to yourself through the work of Jesus on the cross to bring us as God's covenant people into relationship with you and then in relationship to one another. We are called to commitment, to say, I am willing to be here for someone else. I'm willing to serve them, to love them, to encourage them and admonish them so that every day, each and every single one of us is being transformed more and more into the image of Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, allow your Holy Spirit to work in us as a church, as a covenant people in covenant partnership to one another, that we may become like you. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.